Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus and i became his benefactor by guarding against the deceit of some cheat who would have cared for his money more than for his daughter i never saw him again and most likely he is dead but knowing the deep impressions I left on his mind, I am certain that his descendants are even now waiting for me, for the name of Faruzi must have remained immortal in that family. Javot accompanied me as far as the gate of the city, where I kissed her affectionately, which made me feel that the thunder and lightning had had but a momentary effect upon me. Yet I kept control over my senses, and I congratulate myself on doing so to this day. I told her, before bidding her adieu, that her virginity was no longer necessary for my magic operations. I advised her to get married as soon as possible, if I did not return within three months. She shed a few tears, but promised to follow my advice. I trust that my readers will approve of the noble manner in which I concluded my magic business. I hardly dare to boast of it, but I think I deserve some praise for my behavior. Perhaps I might have ruined poor Franzia with a light heart, had I not possessed a well-filled purse, I do not wish to inquire whether any young man, having intelligence, loving pleasure, and placed in the same position, would not have done the same. But I beg my readers to address that question to themselves. As for Capitani, to whom I sold the sheath of St. Peter's knife for rather more than it was worth, I confess that I have not yet repented on his account, for Capitani thought he had duped me in accepting it as security for the amount he gave me and the Count, his father, valued it until his death as more precious than the finest diamonds in the world. Dying with such a firm belief, he died rich, and I shall die a poor man. Let the reader judge which of the two made the best bargain. But I must return now to my future traveling companions. As soon as I had reached the inn, I prepared everything for our departure, for which I was now longing. Henriette could not open her lips without my discovering some fresh perfection, for her wit delighted me even more than her beauty. It struck me that the old captain was pleased with all the attention I showed her, and it seemed evident to me that she would not be sorry to exchange her elderly lover for me. I had all the better right to think so, insomuch as I was perfection from a physical point of view, and I appeared to be wealthy, although I had no servant. I told Henriette that, for the sake of having none, I spent twice as much as a servant would have cost me, that, by me being my own servant, I was certain of being served according to my taste, and I had the satisfaction of having no spy at my heels, and no privileged thief to fear. She agreed with everything I said, and it increased my love. 
The honest Hungarian insisted upon giving me in advance the amount to be paid for the post-horses at the different stages as far as Parma. We left Cessna after dinner, but not without a contest of politeness respecting the seats. The captain wanted me to occupy the back seat near Henriette, but the reader will understand how much better the seat opposite to her suited me. Therefore I insisted upon taking the bracket seat, and had the double advantage of showing my politeness, and of having constantly, and without difficulty, before my eyes, the lovely woman whom I adored. My happiness would have been too great if there had been no drawback to it. But where can we find roses without thorns? When the charming Frenchwoman uttered some of those witty sayings which proceed so naturally from the lips of her countrywomen, I could not help pitying the sorry face of the poor Hungarian, and wishing to make him share my mirth, I would undertake to translate in Latin Henriette's sallies. But far from making him merry, I often saw his face bear a look of astonishment, as if what I had said seemed to him rather flat. I had to acknowledge to myself that I could not speak Latin as well as she spoke French, and this was indeed the case. The last thing which we learn in all languages is wit, and wit never shines so well as in jests. I was thirty years of age before I began to laugh in reading Terence, Plautus, and Martial. Something being the matter with the carriage, we stopped at Forley to have it repaired. After a very cheerful supper, I retired to my room to go to bed, thinking of nothing else but the charming woman by whom I was so completely captivated. Along the road, Henriette had struck me as so strange that I would not sleep in the second bed in their room. I was afraid lest she would leave her old comrade to come to my bed and sleep with me, and I did not know how far the worthy captain would have put up with such a joke. I wished, of course, to possess that lovely creature, but I wanted everything to be settled amicably, for I felt some respect for the brave officer. Henriette had nothing but the military costume in which she stood, not any women's linen, not even one chemise. For a change, she took the captain's shirt. Such a state of things was so new to me that the situation seemed to me a complete enigma. In Bologna, excited by an excellent supper, and by the amorous passion which was every hour burning more fiercely in me, I asked her by what singular adventure she had become the friend of the honest fellow, who looked her father rather than her lover. If you wish to know, she answered with a smile, ask him to relate the whole story himself, only you must request him to not omit any of the particulars. Of course, I applied at once to the captain, and having first ascertained by signs that the charming Frenchwoman had no objection, the good man spoke to me thus. A friend of mine, an officer in the army, having occasion to go to Rome, I solicited a furlough of six months and accompanied him. I seized with great delight the opportunity of visiting a city, the name of which has a powerful influence on the imagination, owing to the memories of the past attached to it. I did not entertain any doubt that the Latin language was spoken there in good society, at least as generally as in Hungary. But I was indeed greatly mistaken, for nobody can speak it, not even the priests, who only pretend to write it, and it is true that some of them do so with great purity. I was therefore rather uncomfortable during my stay in Rome, and with the exception of my eyes, my senses remained perfectly inactive. I spent a very tedious month in that city, the ancient queen of the world, when Cardinal Abani gave my friend dispatches for Naples. Before leaving Rome, he introduced me to his eminence, and his recommendation had so much influence that the cardinal promised to send me very soon with dispatches for the Duke of Parma, Piencenza, and Gustala. 
assuring me that all my traveling expenses would be defrayed. As I wished to see the harbor, called in former times Cantum Celae, and now Civitia Vecchia, I gave up the remainder of my time to that visit, and I proceeded there with a cicerone who spoke Latin. I was loitering about the harbor when I saw, coming out of a tatan, an elderly officer, and this young woman, dressed as she is now. Her beauty struck me, but I should not have thought any more about it, if the officer had not put up at my inn, and in an apartment over which I had a complete view whenever I opened my window. In the evening I saw that couple taking supper at the same table, but I remarked that the elderly officer never addressed a word to the young one. When the supper was over, the disguised girl left the room, and my companion did not lift his eyes from a letter that he was reading, as it seemed to me with the deepest attention. Soon afterwards the officer closed the windows, the light was put out, and I suppose my neighbors went to bed. The next morning, being up early as is my habit, I saw the officer go out, and the girl remained alone in the room. I sent my Kirkone, who was also my servant, to tell the girl, in the garb of an officer, that I would give her ten sequins for an hour's conversation. He fulfilled my instructions, and on his return, he informed me that her answer, given in French, had been to the effect that she would leave for Rome immediately after breakfast, and that, once in that city, I should easily find some opportunity of speaking with her. I can find out from the Vetturino, said my Cicerone, where they put up in Rome, and I promise you to inquire of him. She left Civitia Vecchia with the elderly officer, and I returned home on the following day. Two days afterwards the cardinal gave me the dispatches, which were addressed to Monsieur Dutelat, the French minister, with a passport and the money necessary for the journey. He told me with great kindness that I need not hurry on the road. I had almost forgotten the handsome adventuress, when, two days before my departure, my Cicerone gave me the information that he had found out where she lived, and that she was with the same officer. I told him to try to see her, and to let her know that my departure was fixed for the day after the morrow. She sent me word by him that, if I would inform her of the hour of my departure, she would meet me outside the gate and get into the coach with me to accompany me on the way. I thought the arrangement very ingenious, and during the day I sent the Cicerone to tell her the hour at which I intended to leave, and where I would wait for her outside of the